Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network. The Best Ever You Show is here to help you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. With this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. And now, here is your host, Elizabeth. Hey, everybody. It's, uh, it's certainly cold enough here in Maine today. I'll give it that. It, it wins for cold. I feel like starting this, the show off today with a big achoo because um, I just cannot get shake this cough and cold, but I'm working on it, and here we are. So if I sound a little funny, that's why. <laughs> but uh, And if I mute out, it's because I'm sneezing and coughing. What the heck? Anyway, happy, happy day, happy Monday, happy January 9th, and um, boy, have we got a fun show here. I'm going to uh, pick this, uh, be quiet a little bit here in a minute, because uh, we have Michael Gorgian on, and he is the author of What Lies Beyond the Stars. He's a house author, and um, he is out in the Bay Area, which uh, I love. That's, uh, I'm, uh, I moved here from there uh, about 12, almost 13 years ago now from the Walnut Creek area and um, in Truckee, which I see is having some trouble there with its rivers in Reno, Nevada. Um, but uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's quite rainy out there, I see, and, uh, and snowy up in the mountains. But uh, anyway, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. This is our second show of the new year. We had Rena Greenberg on on Friday and um, loved hearing all about weight loss. So we're going to totally change gears here and talk about what lies beyond the stars with Michael. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Are you in the weather, or did you <laughs> get to go south? <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm in the Bay Area right now. It's it's not too bad. We had a uh, quite a lot of rain uh, the past few days, but it's starting to clear up. Um, well, but it's well chilly needed. for for us. For us, yeah. Yeah, that is uh, not pleasant when it gets like that. I'm I'm still a creature when it goes dips below seventy degrees. I'm freezing, <laughs> so I can't shake the California out of me. Maine is really cold. Yeah, good luck there in Maine, boy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, and we don't have the pleasure of going from like San Francisco up into the mountains. We go from like cold to colder. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's colder. All right, so you have got a lot of things that you've done, and I came across you on Twitter, which is such a blessing. Thank you for being so responsive and and real and uh, being on the show here today. Um, you are known for being in Party of Five. You've, you're known for um, directing Wayne Dyer's movies. What? How did you get into all of this? We'll just start there and kind of go into the book promptly. <laughs> but how did you get sure, into sure. everything? Well, I... I actually started as a um I actually started as a dancer of all things. Or my first job was as a dancer. I was in a film called Newsies, which I think is on mm-hmm. Broadway now. Um but it was a, a a Disney musical back in the early 90s. Um that I actually I got cast in it very randomly. I never trained as a dancer, but uh I grew up in Oakland, so I guess you have to know how to dance if you live in Oakland. Um <laughs> And uh, I, so, yeah, I booked this job. Uh, I was uh, in L.A. just for about a year, and I booked that job. And then from that, started doing more acting work, uh, television shows and films. Um, and, yeah, I, I uh, was on Party of Five and a lot of other shows for a while. And I really enjoy acting. I love, I love it. Um, the business of being an actor was not necessarily my favorite thing, um, 
And I think part of it was, as an actor, I found that a lot of what I was doing um, was stuff that I wouldn't necessarily watch on my own, or it didn't have a, a, it didn't resonate in terms of having a purpose or meaning for me. And so because of that, not everything, there was a lot of stuff I did that I thought was quite um, wonderful. Uh, But because of that, it kind of pushed me more into wanting to write and direct um, to be able to actually participate in what was being uh, put out there. And uh, from that, that's where I I kind of moved into making independent films. Um, I made a a picture called Illusion um, that I essentially put together myself, one of these, you know, using credit cards and maxing out credit cards, (laughs) borrowing from my parents, doing everything. Uh, but it was a film that um, start, uh, Kirk Douglas was in it. It was his last film. Um, and the idea of the film came from an old play that I had read, but um, kind of the, there was a central theme, which, which was quite, um, I would say, metaphysical, uh, philosophical. It had to do with the, uh, the idea of the Akashic Records, um, which is the concept that there's a, a record of, of our lives um, and that this is something that exists physically. And uh, in our movie, we had it be that uh, Kirk um, is an old filmmaker and goes to a movie theater where he can watch uh, the Akashic records and, and he learns about his son's life that he never knew. Um, and that was kind of the premise of the film. So from that though, I, uh, that film was embraced by a lot of the, more spiritual or philosophical uh, film festivals and, and uh, distributors out there. Um, Gaim is a, a company that ended up buying the film. Um, and from that, that's how I, I met a, a gentleman named Gay Hendricks. I don't know if you know him, um, but he, uh, he approached me. He had seen the film and approached me and asked if I wanted to do a documentary about uh, a woman named Louise Hay. And at the time, I did not know who she was. Um, and I said, sure, I need a job. Sure, <laughs> why not? So <laughs> he, he, he took me down to Hay Divine House. intervention. I met, uh, yeah, I know. I, uh, I <clears throat> met her. Uh, I had, before I met her, I read, read her book and, and learned about her and all the amazing things she had done. Uh, so I was actually quite nervous meeting her. Um, <laughs> I remember the meeting she uh, – I walked into this office and she was sitting down and she uh, stood up and Gay said, Oh, this Reed, this is Michael and Louise, this is Michael Gorgian. And she shook my hand and she looked at me and she didn't say anything for a long time. And she just stared at my eyes. And then she turned to uh, her CEO Reed and said, yeah, this is going to work. And that was it. I was hired. (laughs) How nice of that. I know. It was the quickest uh, job interview I've ever had. So, uh, it's funny. I call Reed Tracy one of my idols. <laughs> oh, him. yeah. yeah. I do. Oh, I think he's really cool. He's a wonderful man. Um, yeah. So I, I made this uh, the documentary, You Can Heal Your Life, based on uh, Louise's book. And from that, uh, Reed had me uh, asked me to do another uh, film with Wayne uh, Dyer called The Shift. Um, and then we did some more pieces, uh, a series called Tales of Everyday Magic, which were uh, little narrative films kind of inspired by the, the ideas of different Hay House authors. Um, 
And it was interesting because the, the whole sort of journey with Hay House, working with Hay House, when I started, I had never done a documentary before. Um, I really had no idea what I was doing. But I had come from more, uh, I would say, narrative uh, filmmaking. And kind of my deal with Reed was uh, I said, you know, I'm happy to help bring these ideas out, but my background is really in storytelling. And with Louise's film, we added kind of a narrative aspect to the film, which if you've seen it, uh, there's a lot of people talking about ideas, but then throughout we had this, we called it the, um, the journey woman. And it's a woman who we see walking on these paths and we hear her thoughts as she's going. And, um, and it was kind of a, a, a narrative piece where I was able to shoot beautiful images and, and kind of tell more of a emotional story than just information. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it, it, it added quite a bit to that piece. And then with Wayne's film, we, we kind of took it a step further. And that one, even though, I don't know what you call it, it's kind of postmodern in a way. Um, it's uh, Wayne is in it as himself. Uh, and then there's a film crew interviewing him. And the film crew are actually all actors. Um, and interviewing him about his ideas, we see the film crew and how they respond to it. And then there are other characters that are at the location where they're filming and who uh, sort of thematically tie into what Wayne's talking about. But this blend between uh, fiction and nonfiction, I think, worked quite well in that, that film. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, my, my reason is because I think with ideas... Um, really you can affect people to a certain degree when you talk, uh, just give them the facts. You tell them, here's what you need to do. This is how you need to live, or this is, you know, what's good in life or whatever. But if through story, you can affect people in, in, in a much deeper way. And um, so anyways, the, from, from that film, we did more narrative pieces and, and that kind of led to uh me writing this book, which um, yeah. I would very much, co- I, I've, I'm promoting it as philosophical fiction. Uh, you could call it spiritual fiction or metaphysical fiction or a lot of names, but basically the idea of using storytelling to um, not just entertain, but uh, to help feed people um, ideas and, and uh, deeper uh, things that can either help them, inspire them, um, create wonder within a person. I think that's kind of, uh, for me, why I'm interested in storytelling and uh, really kind of what's behind the book itself. Yeah, it, it interjects goodness and values and it's it's. It's pretty. It's pretty cool how you did that. That's that's a perfect way to describe what you did. It's sort of a really thinking novel. As you read it, mm-hmm. you it makes you think, and I love it when you get to actually interview an author because you get to hear a little bit about what they were thinking as they were writing. Everybody wants to know that. You know, if you could go back and interview <laughs> amazing authors, you're like, what would that really mean? Or what were you thinking when you wrote that? Or how'd you come up? You know, you got the same. I see. I wanted to tell people you have this cool website. Um, it's your name spelled out um, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-O-R G-O-O-R Actually, actually yeah, let me correct ahead. you It's Michael A. Gorgian um, Oh yeah There's a middle oh, initial A in there, an a in there. And the reason yeah. is 
someone in the Ukraine bought my name. Of course. And that is happens holding it too. hostage. Me too. Oh, yeah, Elizabeth <laughs> yeah. Hamilton yeah. and yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so there's an A in there. Michael M I M I C H A E L A G O O R J I A N. So Dot com. Yeah, perfect. Dot com. Yeah, and I'll make sure the link is out there and everything. It's it's out there a little bit, but I'll put it out there more. But, you know, um, you've got really cool uh, blogs and, you know, the book trailer and everything on here. And I just wanted to make sure people know that's there. And you can get your book wherever books are sold. I know I ordered mine. I ordered another one, actually. You, you sent me one, but I ordered another one, too, to support you. <laughs> and oh, thank you. Um, you can get it on Amazon. Yeah, well, I think that's important to support other authors, no matter who they are or what they're doing um, or how famous they are, whatever, you know, the, the book sale matters. So, um can you tell me a little bit or tell the tell me too and the audience listening what's the book about oh boy that's a tough yeah, one. i know it's hard um, it is and that's the hardest question you get is, what's your book about it's like do you have an hour <laughs> well you know what's funny about that is is that if it you know i guess with nonfiction, it might be a little easier because it's like oh yeah. well i'm writing about world war one or you know you can kind of say what it is a novel it's a story um yep. and so in a way, especially with my book, it's not necessarily about a specific uh, thing that you can nail down, um, which is part of why I, I think I was drawn to the idea of labeling it as philosophical fiction, because um, it's easier to describe in terms of what it, it's like. Um, I would describe it as being like books by Herman Hesse, um, uh, you know, Demian or, or Siddhartha, um, uh, Razor's Edge or uh, um, Way of the Peaceful Warrior is a great example. Mm, there you um, go. Zen, yep. and the, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Um, basically, it's fiction, but within it is a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the, like the, maybe the main character, um, Adam Shepard, and, and what part, what part of you is in there or any part of you is in there? <laughs> Sure, sure. You know, it's, it's so Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, um, so the the main character is a, um, a computer programmer, and um, hopefully that doesn't scare too many people off because I, I uh, in deciding the, the film is not necessarily about technology, but it's based uh, in on a character who works in the tech industry, who is sort of um, lost and longing for something more in life. Uh, and goes on this whole adventure and uh, goes up to a place called Mendocino, which is north of San Francisco, uh, where he grew up and um, and meets uh, a woman who's um, uh, the grown woman of, of uh, the woman it's the woman who he had grown up with as a child and hadn't hasn't seen in 30 years, and their relationship and and what kind of comes from that is really at the heart of what the book is about. But as far as um, the character and placing him as a, making him a, somebody that works in the tech industry, actually in a way that was, I chose that because working in the film industry, there's a lot of parallels. And um, mm-hmm. for me especially, there were times where I was working and doing, I essentially was creating, but what I was creating wasn't really anything. It wasn't anything important, at least to me. And I think in the tech industry, there are a lot of very creative people 
people that have something special that they're pouring into things that really don't matter so much to them. You know, I'm making an app on how to make your ability to park your car easier. I mean, just things that are just really, (laughs) (laughs) I I guess they're good, but uh, really we're going to put a billion dollars into an app that does what? So uh, I think that parallel was one of the decisions why I I made him a a computer programmer. And I think they're um, not only that, but um, technology itself is something that uh, everybody it contends with, um, it helps mm-hmm. us all, but also in a way we also struggle with it. There's, um, and, and so th- to uh, kind of address some of the issues of how technology affects us as human beings, a lot of these sort of metaphysical or spiritual fiction books that exist right now, the great ones like Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, are wonderful, but they're set in a time that's very different than the one we live in. And to take a book and address deeper sort of philosophical issues in the environment that we actually live in, that's another aspect of what I wanted to do within this book. Because, you know, our attention and what we give our attention to is a very important thing, whether you're, you know, Anybody who works on themselves in any spiritual capacity knows how important that is. Well, we've got screens inside our pockets. We've got screens all around us that are constantly pulling us this way, that way. It is a big challenge. And uh, so that's that's another aspect of, of the book, I guess. 50 years from now, 60, 70, 80s, whatever, pick a number, a ways from now anyway, um, when people are like, that guy, man, remember that book? That was so awesome. And and it's a classic now or whatever, whatever wherever this is going. Because I, I told you I view it as required reading um, right. for somewhere, somehow, some class, whatever you want it to be, movies, you know, whatever. People go, that's a, that's a cool book and a cool movie and whatever you want it to be. What do you want people to say about you or the book or you know what what kind of like you know what I mean how like let's I don't know it's not very articulate but you know how when um sure do you think you'll have more books I mean just go out a little oh, bit well, yeah but reflect back uh yes I'm gonna there, I'm writing two more books um the, a sequel to this and it's going to be a trilogy essentially um okay. the what I well, I hope it's successful, and I hope people look back and go, "Wow, that was prescient cool. uh, for its time." Uh, yeah, I to me another theme at the heart of the book is um, sort of the lost self. Um, a lot of with social media, technology, all these things that are around us, they all kind of revolve around an exterior version of ourselves. Um, you know, my Facebook page and my identity, my profile, my, all that stuff, ego-based stuff. Um, They're not bad, but there's a part of me that's been forgotten. Um, It's a part of me that, you know, you see in, in a a child's eyes uh, before they start looking at (laughs) uh, iPads. Um, (laughs) That inner, inner self uh, and wonder, which 
you can describe in a million different ways, whether you're religious or philosophical or scientific, whatever. Um, I feel that there's a part of us that's kind of been left behind um, with all of this advancement of technology and everything. Um, and for me, especially my generation, when I was born, there was no uh, – I, I remember when computers became things that you could have in your home. But before that, I remember a time that was before that and a feeling. Um, and that feeling, that kind of world, um, there are, the world we're in right now, there's amazing, wonderful things about it. But I think there is a world and a, a self that has been left behind. And I'm doing my best to kind of describe that abstractly through through fiction um and i think there are other people out there other artists out there that are doing the same um i would love you say 20 years from now people looking back i would love 20 years from now people looking back and going ah thank god we (laughs) got to where we are today we made it through that trial and test of here's this amazing power it's you know uh power is they said it about the uh you know, the atomic E equals MC squared, it can be incredible. It can be this wonderful thing, and it also can be a bomb. And I think technology is a similar thing. It can be something that can uh, be wonderful for humanity, and it can also be a prison. And hopefully we all can find our way out of that prison. Yeah. It, and it's, it's interesting to me because it in itself is part of that. It's a book, <laughs> you know, you're yes. just like getting people to pick up a book and actually read it is like, you know, it can be, tr- it can be hard. I know as a mom of four, <laughs> yeah. yeah, as a mom of four, I've grounded our kids in books, board games, old movies, anything older, um, you know, cause I'm a creature of the eighties and um, mm-hmm. there's, there's pictures of me with the biggest hair ever, and I get made fun of. And my, you know, but they're, the kids are grounded in gratitude. You know, uh-huh. if you talk to one of my kids, they'll go hashtag gratitude. You know, and I get what you're saying completely, and it's so that's a huge part of this book. And I'm glad you answered that like that because that's how I had kind of hoped, as I had sort of choppily asked you that question. That's what I was trying sure. to get at too. So that that's really cool that you that you think that way too. Um, so, uh, so a couple more books. How exciting! Um, in I notice in your books, and you've kind of hinted at this, um, that you love to write it with hidden meanings. And I know um, one of one of the books that I, as a child, first like really got me into meaning uh, books with hidden meanings was Lord of the Flies. Um, remember when they uh-huh. would, you know, the colors mean something, and the kids mean something, and you know that book was all coded with with all sorts of interesting meanings. Um, and right. by no means am I comparing the two, but that's just my first experience with it. And I think a lot of kids I know here in Maine have that same experience, and I taught my kids the the code. Um, is that is that what you mean by like when you're writing something, it has a completely different meaning? Sometimes. Um, well, I, the way I, yeah, the way I look at it is this: is that um, first and foremost, with this kind of stuff, first and foremost, you need to uh, you need to entertain. The, the, if it's a story, if you're telling a story, it's got to be a good story. Uh, if you if I'm bored, well, you, I'm you know, if I'm boring you, I've lost you. So right. first and foremost, whether it's films or uh, that have deeper meanings or a novel that has a deeper meaning. It's about the story. And I work very hard, you know, uh, 
for a long time working on the, the narrative of this and, and weaving a tale that hopefully pulls people along uh, with a lot of mystery and there's a love story in it and a lot of things that are purely for a surface layer entertainment. Um, beneath that, um, I think there's, you, you can have multiple layers beneath that. One is the simple idea of allegory. Um, you know, when you have uh, a character or a, an event or something that is taking place and you see it and you can go, oh, well, that means that also can mean something else. And it's mm-hmm. a, with allegory, you know, um, an allegory of a mountain as climbing a mountain as kind of a spiritual path. You know, you're on a spiritual path. It's like climbing a mountain. Um, there are tools, there are different paths, but they all reach the, the top of the mountain. That's the point. So right. that, it allows us to see what we're describing in a, in a wider, with wider vision. Um, so to top layer entertainment, the next layer allegory, where there's a lot within this book that um, has a deeper meaning to it, which I think for a lot of people, you know, it'll be quite obvious. Um, on the cover is a butterfly. The butterfly for a very long time has been a symbol of um, sort of the evolving human uh, or, you know, coming out of the, the chrysalis um, um, spiritual awakening, so to speak. Um, but then I think there is an even deeper, uh, there can be an li- even deeper level that uh, can be in narrative and in uh, storytelling and for that, you have to look at things like, um, you know, Sufi tales um, or even old fairy tales where, yeah. uh, you know, I was just reading Peter and the Wolf and, oh, my God, the depth of Isn't what that, that is about is yeah. incredible. But, yeah. but what, what that is, is it's almost there can be a layer to <laughs> fiction that isn't even describable in words, but it's more evoking of images and feelings, things that are, that words can't get to. Um, and that to me is, that's, you know, I strive for that in my book. Uh, I've read things that have that in it, but what that does is it activates something in the reader, a wonder, a questioning, a deeper kind of, you know, every time you say, oh, I'm reading the story, and I go, oh, I've got to set it down and think about, it. wait, what did that mean? What is that? Well, that can go on uh, a lot of different levels, but that, now you're active, whereas I'm watching a movie, and I, everything I see is what I see. There's no question about it. And the story, okay, James Bond won. Great. It's yeah. over. It's passive, whereas you can have more active forms of art, and with uh, with no- novels um, or storytelling, there is that. That's what I would say is the deeper side or hidden layers within storytelling. Yeah. It's to do that is to activate the reader. Yeah, which was so much fun. That's I love books like this. That's that was what was so much fun about reading it. <clears throat> As I was getting into it, I'm like, oh, this has hidden meanings. This is so cool. And then I went to your website. 
and I saw this blog and um, you've kind of got a blog out there hinting at that um, with, you know, two sides of a butterfly fog, cold water shocks, lucid Larry, the sinkhole and the buried treasure and digging through the center of the earth you know all these cool things. Would you do us a favor and just pick one and explain, or do you want to leave that as a mystery and part of your <laughs> mysterious self? Um that's your choice. Sure. You can, you can uh, yeah, say I no. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. Why don't you? Which one do you want me to to uh, um, address? I would. I kind of want you to do the sinkhole and buried treasure and digging through the center of the earth. I okay. thought that was cool. Yeah. Well, okay. This is a. I, I will give you some aspects of it, but it's also for you to figure out and you to right. find your own version of it. But yes, uh, digging within ourselves. And dig in the book. There's a. It's actually a real sinkhole that exists up near Mendocino. That as a, mm-hmm. a younger, well, a kid, well, an older kid. I was in my teens. I found. I was in Mendocino on my own, and there was a cemetery uh, near it. And behind the cemetery, I was walked through the gate and was going through the woods. And all of a sudden, there's this giant sinkhole that opened up. And um, so that's a real place, actually. <laughs> Anyways. Cool. Uh, Going down, digging um, into the earth, uh, it all is reflections of the t- kind of direction that most spiritual practices or uh, not even spiritual practices, psychological practices, any kind of self-development is that kind of work. You're digging into yourself, down, yeah. out of your cool. head and moving it down. So there you go. Thank you. Yeah. I wondered if, I, I wondered since you were from the Bay area, if you'd been up to Mendocino a lot, <laughs> clearly you have. Oh I, yeah. I partially yeah. grew up there. So there's, there's a lot in the book that's actually, you know, based on my own life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for anybody listening live, we're just going to go a little bit more here. Um, the show will be in free replay. You can replay it, share it, um, listen to it as much as you want. But we're going to get, Michael, do you mind staying with us for just maybe five or ten more minutes so we can sort of wrap sure, up? Sure, yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Okay. So thank you for that, because I think people, you know, always, always appreciate that. And there's other ones here on his website, uh, which is his name with the A, with the A in the middle of it. <laughs> so make sure we put that out right. You know what? If um, you just Google my name, it'll be the yeah. first thing that pops up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the, um, the other thing I, I was going to ask you a little bit about was, um, have, do you have any kind of, um, I could see as this catches on more and more and more and more people may be asking for like a companion discussion that goes with it. Mm. Would you, would you ever write a blog or add something to, um, another print of the book as it prints again, um, like for discussion in the back of it? You know, like sure. in a class or a sure. book group or anything. I I would have loved that. I was like, oh, where's the discussion page? Because um, I think oh, people love to take books like this. Um, I know in my book groups that I'm in, we, you know, everybody gets a copy of the book and then they have this discussion around it. But sometimes if the author, um, if you can't have the author right there with you or on the phone or, you know, in an interview, um, things mm-hmm. that you want people to start talking about, that'd be so cool. That's one thing I thought sure. about. Did well, you ever do that? I will. I will. Sure, I'll do my best to write a, a blog about that. And um, if anybody has uh, read the book and has ideas for what I should address, uh, you know, Facebook. I'm on that. That's what Facebook. I check the most. Um, I'm not okay. much of a social media person, but I'd, if anybody messages me through there, I'll get it. 
Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'd be happy to. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. And then uh, we have a question from a listener, and I'm not going to take the question live, guys, because we're running short on time. But um, somebody wants to know, and I, I think this is probably like one of those leading questions. Are, are you going to make this into a movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it, it, you know, uh, quite honestly, this started as a screenplay that I wrote 20 years ago. Um, wow. It's quite different now. But, um, yeah, I wrote a screenplay called Beatrice um, and tried to get it made and never got it made. And then it sat on a shelf. And then um, when Reed asked if I wanted, you know, what I wanted to do next, I showed him the screenplay. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to do something like this. And he said, well, would you like to turn it into a novel? And I said, sure. So um, I would love to make the film. Um, I Yes, I'm, I'm, I have some uh, producing par- – I have a producing partner and we're – currently looking at raising financing uh, to do it. So hopefully that will happen soon. Uh, But yes, it's quite visual in terms of the story itself. I think uh, it's a pretty visual piece. Um, And most, a lot of people I've heard that have read it have said, Oh yeah, I really could see that as a film. So hopefully it will be soon. Awesome. Okay. And then here's the question I ask every guest or most guests anyway, what were you like as a kid? Oh goodness. Um, uh, I would say shy, but I, I dreamed a lot. I, uh, I wondered a lot. Um, I was curious and, uh, uh, I think. Did you know you're going to be a writer? No, no. I I think I knew I was going to be an actor early on. Okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm an actor I'm the kind of actor, you know, there's actors that are extroverts who are like Jim Carrey, like, hey, look at me. And then there's introverted actors like Robert De Niro, people like that. I'm more the second kind. Um, yeah. I do. I, I like acting to um, kind of escape, or be something else, explore something else. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would say curious. And um, I had a, a healthy, healthy dose of wonderment which I try huh? to maintain. <laughs> yeah. What about high school? What were you like in high school? Did you go to a regular high school, like a, pu- a public high school and all that? Uh, no, I went to, well, I went to public school up until high school, and then I went to a, pri- a Catholic high school called uh, named Bishop O'Dowd here in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I was a theater guy. I, I had a, there was a drama teacher that started the same year I did who um, just changed the whole, th- I mean, this is how, as a uh, senior, we toured a play through in England. Um, he, like, just totally cool. lit me on fire with theater and, and being an actor. And, um, so that was kind of who I was in, in high school, a drama guy. Yep. All right, last question then, and then we'll let you go here and, and wind up. Um, does, does anything give you any anxiety when you're in all these new situations, doing these all new things and, and growing, you know, like growing with Hay House, writing more books and everything? Do you get into new situations that give you like anxiety or um, stress or anything like that? And if so, how do you deal with that? And, you know, fear, I guess, is probably what the question mm-hmm. is aiming at. All the time. I, I, I don't think I'd be human if I did. I, I'm sure there are people out there that, uh, you know, don't have stress or anxiety. I do, and I would say this, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to answer that. The best way would be um, when writing, um, often I found myself, I would come to an impasse where I was like, okay, this totally sucks. 
I, I hate <laughs> this. It's awful. And the only thing is, is that, I, yeah, I've been through that so many times with, as an actor or working on films, editing films, writing stuff, that I always know time fixes it. So as long as I come up against it, there's a little part of me in the back of my head that says, when I wake up tomorrow, it'll probably be different or the next day or whatever. I'll get through it. I'll get through it. Mm-hmm. So I'll feel the anxiety. I'll feel the, you know, stress or the doubt or the whatever it is. But there's always a little, at least a little part of me that stays separate from it. And that, I think, has helped me um, That's good be more daring in the things I do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I know I have to kind of sometimes really force myself into really uncomfortable situations and I don't mean anything mm-hmm. dangerous or anything like that, but just something that maybe I wouldn't do to grow. Um, and mm-hmm. otherwise I become like a creature of habit and comfort for sure. It's <laughs> you know, just like, oh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So especially being a mom and all this stuff, you're just like, Oh, life is good. <laughs> you know, and cute. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I know that was, <laughs> It was nerve wracking even to um, talk to like read Tracy on the phone and do percolate. That was a stretch, you know, oh, really? a new thing. Yeah. Just going into that world. So yeah. Interesting. But um, yeah, well, so we all love your book and we all wish you the very best and thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, just want to do a, yeah, so much fun to be able to talk to you. And um, so just everybody go out and get Michael's book. I mean, it's what lies beyond the stars and it's just a great book. And um, the book itself too has a great like feel to the cover. And um, <laughs> yeah, you know I what I mean? That. Sometimes you get books yeah. and you're like, Oh, I don't like that. And this is cool. Did you get to help one? I guess one more question. Did you get to pick this out or did it just, you know, you had no yeah. choice. And this is, I, yeah, I, I kind of requested, uh, it's better than what I request. I I wanted yeah. something more matte finish than glossy, mm-hmm. and uh, this is what they came up with, and it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's a great size for for you ladies that put the books in your purse. It fits in my big purse anyway. But it's um you know it's a pretty it's a pretty good sized book. You know it's three hundred and forty pages or so, give or take a little bit, and um, it's just a really great book. So if you love to read, this is a good one. And we've got Michael um, and his book on Instagram. Um, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, even I put it on there. And so, um, so let's support Michael and get this, you know, everything we can do. Right. That's the name of the game, yeah, right? Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And we love Hay House and everybody at Hay House. Thank you so much for all they do. Um, so many cool things happen yeah. um, through Hay House. We love, we love reading Louise. So, all right, Michael, thank you so much. Have a great day. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you, Elizabeth, for having me on. All right, everybody. Take care. Um, To everybody listening, thank you so much for being with us. And um, we're going to take a break for a little bit here and come back on January 19th with Noah St. John, who is also a Hay House author. Um, He wrote Affirmations, and he's got some other great stuff. And he just actually co-hosted a show a few weeks ago um, with David Essel um, and and, uh, me on the phone. That was really fun to co-host with him. So um, we'll have a good time. We're going to do that show probably for a half an hour, 45 minutes, same thing here. Um, So Noah St. John will be with us. In the meantime, um, let's go back to Michael and just say uh, thank you again, Michael, for being with us. Um, His book is What Lies Beyond the Stars. And his website, I'm going to go ahead and spell that out properly with the A. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A-G-O-O-R-J-I-A-N.com. 
you can just Google his name too. A bunch of stuff comes up. So we thank him so much for his time today and thank you all for listening. Again, just remember we've got free replays. You can share the show. It's always on free replay. And we thank you so much for taking the Best Ever You show from that very first show a while ago <laughs> with Forbes Riley on it and um, just making us close to 3 million downloads now. So we really, really appreciate you helping us with our success. And hopefully um, our guests, I love our guests. Our guests always give us great wisdom and, and fun things to do, read, watch, um, share. And uh, we just, we love everybody. So thanks again, everybody. Have a great day. Um, and we'll see you on the 19th. Thank you for listening to the Best Ever You Network. For more information, just visit us at besteveryou.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.